You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 87 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchot, and this is the show for November 2020. I am joined today by a panel which is wonderfully geographically diverse, and uh, while small in number, is very high in quality. Um, simply based on speed of emailing, um, first off, I would like to welcome back Alison Sheridan to the podcast. Hi, Alison. Hello, lovely to be here. It is so nice to have you back on again. It's It's been a while since you've been in my place. I talk to you all the time, but that's on your show. Come visit over here once in a while. Exactly. It's nice to host you, since I can't host any actual people in my actual house. <laughs> so we'll talk to you, you know, host people on my Skype call. Joining me then from, so you actually, I should say, you're all the way in the United States of America. And then on the other side of me, we have the United Kingdom, where we are joined by Nick Riley from the Essential Apple Podcast. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bart. Uh, good to be back with you. I can't believe it's December already. Where did the year gone? I know. 2020 is an odd year. Well, it certainly has been. It feels both infinite and unbelievably short all at the same time. <laughs> yes. It's been here forever and it only just started. Actually, and I should say that Alison is from the wonderful Nocillacast podcast. I don't know how I managed to leave that out, Alison. That's terrible of me. <laughs> That's okay. I'm I'm pretty good at plugging myself. Yeah, I'll rarely forget. I oh, don't worry. At the end, we 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 always get you to do that anyway. Um, so I have decided I've had enough of the week of the monthly rundown of everything going on in COVID. Yeah, folks, it's a pandemic. It's still going on. It hasn't stopped. Next. Um. <laughs> The the other story that we talked about, or another story that we talked about last month, was that Apple had gotten the Peanuts franchise for Apple TV, and it was going to be made available for free, and the whole, not the whole world, a good chunk of the United States of America was excruciatingly cranky, because the, the, the Charlie Brown uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas specials are an institution, I think it's fair to say. Would you agree, Alison? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You grow up with it. It'd be like them not doing The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> which I think they also did. <laughs> Aha. So what Apple have done, they've sort of given into the pressure of we want it on broadcast television. But instead of giving it to a commercial broadcast television, they've given it to PBS, which is the public broadcasting system. So that's kind of an interesting way of squaring that circle. It hasn't gone to any of their competition. Uh, and yet, it is available on broadcast television, so I think everyone's happy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it was going to be free, but, you know, people don't, you know, people who do broadcast TV as their primary source are not going to know how to do Apple TV Plus and all that. So it was it was a bum move and Apple fixed it. So that's good. Yeah. And maybe, it, you know, five years from now, I think it would have been absolutely fine. I think it's just a little too early, maybe. Yeah. Uh, the other thing we talked ad nauseum about last time was the amount of regulators scrutinizing Apple. So rather than f rehashing the same story again, let's just quickly list everyone else who's cranky at Apple around the world, and then we'll carry on with this month's stories. So Apple and Netflix are facing Vietnamese scrutiny over content rules and tax. There's an EU complaint that says Apple's identifier for advertisers violates European privacy law. 
Apple are cranky at Apple for having too much privacy. Sorry, France are cranky at Apple for having too much privacy because this one makes my head explode. The ad industry in France is suing Apple over antitrust because they're stopping stuff being tracked and that's hurting their business. And that hurts privacy how? (laughs) Well, no, no. So they're saying that because Apple are protecting privacy, that is anti-competitive. Right, right. Okay. I, I, I know. Great. It makes my head explode, but it is a French court case, and there's odd things happen in their courts from time to time. Uh, meanwhile, the Dutch are interested in um, Apple's use, or in perhaps abuse, of NFC, where Apple Pay sort of gets preference that other vendor that other providers of contactless don't get. And that's very much an issue in a place like Holland, where there are lots of different alternatives to Apple Pay. Uh, whereas we're used to a more of a monoculture, where if you have an Android, you have Android Pay, and if you have an Apple, you have Apple Pay. But in in Holland, that's not the norm, and so Apple being exclusive is causing friction. So that is being investigated. Meanwhile, in what I can only imagine is one of the stupidest government reports ever written. Uh, allow me to give my opinion there. Um, the UK government has decided that Apple is shortening the lifespan of products intentionally. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. Um, Apple, no, not at all. Apple vigorously denied, uh, vigorously countered the findings of this report. Um, it, it doesn't stack up in my book. So anyway, lots are of- they are they still going back? Are they still harking back to that problem that they had where they were restricting the power of previous iPhones? I mean, it's. Oh, you're jumping ahead to the next story, Nick. Oh, my apologies. (laughs) I don't blame you, though, because uh, let's just get straight into legal latest for this month. Battery Gate, the story that refuses to die. And this Ah. is a classic example of another story I think is, is, is stupid. So Apple slowed down phones so they would remain usable so you wouldn't have to buy a new phone. So they're being sued for making people buy new phones. So if I understand this one correctly, what they're what they're doing is saying that uh, in this country, they really want to have um, the same the same privileges that were given to U.S. people for uh, the iPhone battery throttling. This was another country, wasn't it? Uh, 13 states. No, no. So it was it was fixed at the federal level, but now some states want some money, too. So that's what's happening in the first uh, of the right, two right, stories. Right. And then the second of the two stories is Belgium and Spain are going, well, if there's money been handed out, why don't we have some yeah, okay. too? Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. So it is, yeah, so it's the state level and within Europe, we have Belgium and Spain at it as well. Meanwhile, the Italians have, I would say, a genuine complaint. So... Phil Schiller stood up on stage and showed a picture of phones falling into swimming pools and said, not to worry your pretty head about it, wasn't it amazing? Only Apple's warranty doesn't cover phones that have been in water. And the Italians were like, well, either you advertise they're waterproof or you don't cover it and you don't advertise it, but you can't advertise it and then not then consider it voiding the warranty. Uh, I can't say the Italians have are that silly, in my opinion. I, I would agree, um, but to be fair, Apple never said waterproof. It yeah, was, no, uh, was water-resistant. Resistant. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the, the part of this story that um, they're saying that it's, it's not covered under warranty, I think that I call complete BS. That is terrible. That, you know, it's water-resistant or it's not. 
A or B, you know, you, you cover it or you don't. But what's annoying to me is that people are, are saying, well, uh, uh, well, actually, Apple's only doing it under ideal conditions in perfect water. They're following the spec. It's just the spec, okay? So quit whining about that. And then CNET got all this press because they said, well, I don't know. We put a phone underwater and it still worked. Okay, that's a cute anecdote. That's right. I don't know why they got so much press out of that. That annoyed me. But I still think definitely a bad apple on on uh, on the warranty thing. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to put it on the keynote stage, put it in your warranty. It yeah. does seem like a, it does seem like a sort of um, what's the word? The phrase I'm after. Uh, uh, there are like two opposing um, groups, aren't there? There's one group that would really like to be able to upgrade things, please, and stop making things so difficult to upgrade. And the other side who say, we really want it to be waterproof. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Apple yeah, is stuck true, in the actually. middle somewhere trying to do a bit of both. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It is. I mean, clearly the answer is to have no holes whatsoever. So get rid of all the buttons, get rid of all the ports, and then everyone will be happy, right? <laughs> Probably not. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll happen, Bart. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other story that I, it has been major news in the last couple of months and I really get, I'm fed up of it. So this time I'm just popping into legal latest and getting it out of the way is Epic versus Apple. Uh, so Epic Games filed a motion to dismiss Apple's counterclaims and chunks of that motion were actually granted. The court were like, no, Apple, Epic aren't stealing your money. I think Apple overreached a little bit on their counterclaims. Um this doesn't, of course, in any way affect the court case, the main case that Epic filed against Apple. This is just Apple filed a countersuit and a part of that countersuit has been thrown out, but only a part. Meanwhile, Epic Games have decided that fighting Apple in an American courtroom is just not enough work. So they're also suing Apple in Australia simultaneously. Meanwhile... Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic, got himself into a teensy-veensy bit of hot water by comparing his major multi-million dollar corporation fight against another multi-million dollar corporation fight as being like civil rights. Oh, good grief. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I see nice. we're all on the same page there. <laughs> they, really yes. have, they really haven't covered themselves in glory, in my opinion, but anyway... In definitely related news, um, NVIDIA have launched GeForce Now, which is a subscription gaming service, and they have launched it on iOS because they have delivered it as a progressive web app. So Fortnite is actually coming back to the iPhone through GeForce Now, through Safari. Oh, oh right. (laughs) Which is interesting. Well, that's perfect, though. I mean, that's exactly what Apple said. Go ahead, make it a web app. We don't care. Indeed. So, you know, there is certainly value to that. Um, Similarly, Google Stadia is coming as a web app to iPhone and iPad. And the last one to learn the same is happening for Luna. Um, And also then um, there was a, a bizarre claim that Apple... There was a basically another Apple suppressed competition lawsuit filed by Blix, which a judge has basically thrown out of court. So that's a court case that doesn't get to be, which is related to the Apple epic fight tangentially. So I think that gets us caught up on that story. Again, I'm sure we'll talk about it many, many, many more times. 
I have to ask you, Bert, when, mm-hmm. a, when a story like this starts up, do you just put your head in your hands and go, oh, man, I'm going to be talking about this for 15 years? Yep. This really does have the Apple v. Samsung feel to it. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of, right? Yeah, and I was on a whole different podcast when that one started. And I'm now on episode 87 <laughs> of a monthly Apple News podcast. And we still occasionally talk Apple v. Samsung. Anyway, moving on from legal latest into Apple HR and acquisition news. Um, no acquisitions caught my eye, but uh, there's some HR news. So Apple have hired Barbara Way for their new head of inclusion and diversity. Um, they also have a job listing to be the Apple Card Service and Customer Experience Manager, if you'd fancy a job. And they have hired Josh Elman, formerly a venture capitalist and a Robin Hood vice president, to join the App Store. Um, I don't know if any of those are particularly exciting, but they they certainly made the news. Um, I wasn't sure if I should put in the show notes, but Angela Arantz is off to a really cool charity job. She's not with Apple anymore, but I did kind of like to see that she had found something new and exciting to do. Yeah, no, oh, she well, was the good. Apple Apple store. This is the app store that Josh Elman's going to be working on? Correct. Who's running the... Uh, they must have replaced Angela a while ago. Uh, isn't that uh, Deirdre Bryan running that now? Oh, right, right, right. I never liked what she did to the uh, Apple store, so I'm I'm happy. I, I started calling them the uh, the Apple showcase around the time she took over, and I didn't realize how spot on I was that it's basically to see stuff, not to actually be able to buy anything because nothing I ever wanted to buy was there. That actually – I think you actually ended up summing up what she wanted to do, and you, were do, you meant it as an insult, and she thought it was a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it was a feature. <laughs> I, I never liked her ideas, but I did like her. So I'm happy to see her find a role somewhere else and happy she's not mucking with Apple stuff. How did you why did you how did you like her? She never went on stage. She was I, too shy or something, they said. She she did some very good podcast interviews. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't ever hear her. Actually, now that I'm thinking, maybe I liked her in retrospect because maybe the podcast interview was after she left Apple, but she she came across <laughs> extremely well. Um, okay. I really liked her. Yeah, it was interesting. Anyway, I, I just thought it was nice that she had found uh, a new outlet for her talent. Um, so she's with Save the Children, I believe, was a charity. Jolly good. Uh, subscription media news. Um, Apple Arcade continues to get new games. Um Rains Beyond, you get to be a space rock star, apparently. Um, and then there's also a game called Alba, a wildlife adventure, which is launching in January. Um, in terms of Apple Music, we have Viral Hits uh, and nine other playlists for Gen Z have joined Apple Music, apparently. Meanwhile, Spotify has direct audio streaming on the Apple Watch and Pandora has come to the HomePods and Siri ahead of the HomePod Mini arriving in people's homes but not in Ireland. Um, meanwhile, Apple TV Plus. Um, Apple really are going full steam ahead here. So in previous months, I mentioned trailers as well as just stuff that was in development and stuff that was being released. I've now cut, I've now decided I'm only going to tell you about new stories, about stuff we hear about for the first time and stuff that's actually out that you can go watch and anything in between I don't care about anymore. So in terms of new stuff we have learned that is in the pipeline, we have Christopher Walking signing on to Sarah Severance. We have Catherine Han, who's 
uh, joining with already announced Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell for The Shrink Next Door. Casey Wilson is also joining The Shrink Next Door. There is a whole star-studded cast for the after party. Hassan Minaj is joining the morning show. That made me very happy. Uh, Who Who is that? He is. He is a stand. Would you call him a stand-up comedian? I I sort of. I guess he would. Um, Patriot Act was his extremely insightful weekly news show, giving a a critical view of American news. Shall we say? Okay. Uh, Sounds interesting. Yeah, he's he's a Muslim American. with well-reasoned, well-thought-out and well-presented opinions. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, Julia Margles is joining The Good Wife. Um, Apple has acquired the film Tetris, which you might be tempted to think doesn't sound interesting, but the actual backstory of the rights around Tetris is actually quite the story. I sort of know the story from a tech angle and always thought it would make a good film. Well, here it is, and it's coming to Apple TV+. Plus. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Aquafina and Glenn Close have signed on for a film called Swan Song. Stephen Lightfoot, uh, known for The Punisher, signs on for Shantaram. Gugu Mabara is the star in Surface, which is a new thriller coming to Apple TV+. Plus. Oh, well done, Bot. <laughs> I, I was worried halfway through, but I think the syllables made sense. <laughs> oh, but Aquafina, that's a, I, she. What was she in? She was in some crazy film. She's really funny, really a crazy character. Interesting. I, Glenn oh, Close shoot. as well. That, that's, I mean, that's quite the, the pairing. Yeah, I'll, I will shout it out in a minute when I can. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have to go look it up because she was phenomenal in this crazy movie. Excellent. Uh, Apple TV Plus have landed a bilingual comedy series called Acapulco, uh, starring uh, Eugenio Derbez. Um, Deacon Lachman joins the cast of Severance. That's a lot of people joining Severance. Um, and then Apple TV Plus have landed a TV adaptation of uh, Gutsy Women from Hillary and Chelsea Clinton. And there's a new documentary series coming about surfing competitively. Hmm. So that is quite the mix between drama and politics and documentaries. Definitely, you know, a lot of stuff in the yeah. pipeline. Yeah. So the movie I was thinking of was Ocean's Eight. It's the oh, Ocean's Eleven yes. version, all done with women, and she was spectacular in that. That's actually a really good movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, I interesting. I don't think I've seen it. She was in Crazy Rich Asians too. That might. Oh, that might have been oh. the weirder one. Yeah, Crazy Rich Asians was a really weird one. That was awesome. That's a phenomenal movie. I should really, that's been on my list of I really should. So I guess with Christmas coming up, I really should. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Cool. Uh, in terms of actual releases, things we can actually watch, Becoming You, Fireball, which is a documentary uh, by uh, Werner Herzog, and Doug Unplugs, they have arrived... Oprah Winfrey's oh. interview with President Obama has arrived. And uh, in time for Christmas, Charlie, a Charlie Brown Christmas and Mariah Carey's Magical Christmas Special have arrived as well. Um, I don't know if anyone else watched the Oprah Winfrey-Barack Obama interview, but I also thoroughly enjoyed it. And Apple made a very interesting choice. They kept in the edits the supposedly not part of the show parts where they're just shooting the breeze before they hit record. 
basically the pre-show and the post-show if they were doing podcasts. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it That's was really nice. that they, they Because they were doing this whole virtual room thing because of COVID, they were playing footsie across the internet. It was actually really funny. And, um, you know, the, the interaction between the very, very masked up staff and the former president, I mean, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't performing and yet he was still a really nice guy. It was very interesting to see to see the, the banter and stuff pre and post show. It was I said it was a good interview too, but that was that was, it. That was you know a nice touch. I started watching started watching Becoming You. Um, I mean, I've seen other programs like it because it's about the way children develop, um, but it's not bad, not bad at all. I've watched a couple of episodes. I've heard good things. Haven't seen it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to talk my darling beloved into watching Fireball, but well, there's new episodes of um, Star Trek Discovery coming out and of The Mandalorian. Uh, that's not really happening at the moment, but it, I, I will watch it because it's all about, you know, the cultural impact of, you know, impacts on the Earth, meteors, craters, all that kind of stuff. It's strange you going through all this stuff, really, because I I, <laughs> I made a decision which is in exactly the opposite direction to which Apple wanted me to go. So I'd already got Apple Music and I saw these, um, you know, the Apple One deals and yeah. thought, should I? Should I have a go at one of these, or should I? Uh, what I ended up doing was dropping Apple Music, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly the opposite to what they would, I'm sure, would have liked me to do. And but, thought, why am I paying for this? I'm hardly listening to it. So, uh, so there we go. So for so you, I'll, Apple I'll, One meant reduce got, Apple to one subscription. <laughs> yes, I've got Apple TV Plus because I bought uh, my iPhone. So uh, re, you know, my iPhone 11. Um, so I'm not quite sure what I'll do in February, but uh, we'll see. Well, the big mistake they made was, uh, for me anyway, was giving us uh, a lot of the the services for free through February. They extended it. Mm. So now it's it's going to be a wash for me when it's not free. But uh, it's it's not a wash right now. It's going to cost me money if I do it. So they disincentivize me to do Apple One. I have figured out one thing I need it for, though. I finally added my uh, sixth family member to uh, iCloud. And uh, I use up uh, like 900 gigabytes of our two terabyte Ooh. plan. So it's all oh, about gosh. me causing the problem. But, uh, you know, all the rest of them hardly use anything except added together. We're now just touching two terabytes. And as an individual, I cannot increase it from two terabytes. I oh, have yeah. to go to Apple One in order to go above two terabytes. And then I have to pay to go above two terabytes, which makes sense. That's yes. a lot of cloud storage. Yeah, well, I do documents and and uh, desktop and uh, and my photos library is seven hundred gig by itself. So, you know, yeah, and I, if tend you... To, I tend to dump quite a lot of stuff into iCloud. So I've I've only got the two hundred gig gigabyte one, but but yeah, mm. I've got a lot of documents and stuff in it. So. Yeah, I thought about spending time cleaning up. You know, I mean, I'm sure I could go through and get rid of a lot of video files in my photos library. I don't have that many. It's only like 2,700 videos, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to spend time and energy doing that, you know, going, okay, well, there was 200 megabytes I got, you know. Uh, (laughs) But if it also add in seven, a minimum of seven devices doing their backups. So seven iPhones. Why does deleting stuff always be, why is it always so hard? You know, you come to have a look at what you've got and you think, oh, I must have some really big stuff. But what you haven't, you've actually got lots of tiny, lots of little things that add up to a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you just don't know which ones to delete. <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's effort where it's easier just to go, oh, throw a bit more money at Apple. It'll be grand. <laughs> yes. Um, in terms of watching all of these goodies, um, Apple TV app has launched on Xbox just ahead of the launch of the Series S and Series X. Apple TV launched on the PlayStation Network ahead of the PS5 launch. Apple TV is rolling out on a bunch of Sony TVs, being in fact backported for 2018, 2019 and 2020 tellies. 4K Roku players are getting AirPlay 2 and HomeKit. Not quite as good as getting Apple TV, but still interesting. And meanwhile, a company called Universal Electronics have launched an Apple TV remote for cable companies. So this is not direct sale to end users. It's for cable companies who want to include Apple TV in their set-top boxes. They're basically providing a good remote for use with the Apple TV app, um, which is an interesting idea. It's good to see getting rolled out on other platforms, isn't it? I mean, that's excellent. Yeah, it, I, I was going to say it sounds like they're doing an Amazon Echo on us. You know how they're the Amazon's running around going, "Here, you need Echo in your toothbrush." <laughs> I was just putting it in everything now, which I, th- I think is and, and yeah, Roku won a lot by doing that by putting it in TVs and things. So, um, yeah, I've, so, I've, so did Netflix when you think about it. So I mean, I suppose they're yeah. really only following what everyone else has done. So yeah. I, I am curious to see what that uh, that remote's going to be like that can do Apple TV. If it can't do speech, I don't see any reason for it. But uh, the the speech input is is the the winner for me for the uh, the remote for Apple TV. Oh, that's interesting because I don't use the speech. It has a giant all. big Siri button in the middle of it. <laughs> oh, the, this new one does the Universal yeah. Electronics one does. It does, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, you should try it, Nick, man. I don't type anything. I don't type anything anywhere. I don't type on my phones. I mean, I just, you know, if I'm sitting at my Mac, I'll type with my keyboard, but I don't type on anything else. Yeah. Just I mean, all... I, use it for, I use it for searching YouTube and things like that, but, um, but that's yeah, all, well, really. Plus, other, otherwise, you got to figure out where it is. And, and the biggest problem with TV <laughs> now is like, I don't know where it is. Go read a yeah, book. Yeah, that's true. Easier. Okay, let us move into our four main four main stories. Is it four or is it three? No, it's three main stories for this month. So uh, a little preview of what we'll be talking about is more App Store evolutions. Mac OS Big Sur has uh, entered the building. And then there's that minor little one more thing Apple had for us at the start of the month. So let's get stuck into the first story. Some more evolutions in the App Store. And let's jump straight to the big, 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 big story. Apple have launched something called the Small Business Program, which, and they have a very generous definition of a small business, a developer earning less than a million dollars a year can apply to be a member of the Small Business Program, and that will reduce their commission to 15%, which, according to iMore, means that 98% of developers will be moving down to half the commission they're currently paying for stuff sold in the App Store. And, uh, the program has now opened for applications uh, for the year 2021. So if you are a developer and you don't make a million quid, then sign up now and from January you can start saving. Meanwhile, Epic Games and Spotify say, no, this doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's terrible. 
I, it's, a I, pe- it's appeasement for the small developers, but it's uh, it's, it's one in the eye for the uh, the big guys. <laughs> I, I could not love this story more because of that, Nick. I just <laughs> I think it's so spectacular that it was Epic being all snotty and and obnoxious and doing this uh, you know really rude method of trying to get the get the change, and they said, okay, ninety eight percent of developers are happy now. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it too, actually, because it puts pay to this whole myth of, oh, we're the little guy. No, you're not. You're a big guy, too. You're just trying to play the little guy for effect. And this this sort of underlines the fact that you're not a little guy because you're not getting 15%. <laughs> it just, yeah, it was so clever. superb because who's going to argue it now? But, right. They can't they can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just think it's wonderful. It's a, it's a wonderful gift to the developers we care about most. Which is the you know the 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 rogue amoebas and the the the, the uh, panic softwares and the you know actually even more than that the you know the Gus Mueller's and the 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 one the one man shows even more so yeah this is amazing yeah, that's right. yeah I would guess that rogue amoebas well over a million dollars that's true actually I mean, that was a bad bad example um since probably yeah, true they're, they're they're big. Yeah, but there are probably there probably well there are, there must be loads because they say ninety eight percent. But there, there are loads of people out there, aren't there, who write an app because they see a need for something, and not many people may use it, but they're still having to pay thirty percent if they charge for it. So I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Hopefully, it makes it possible for more people to give up the day job and to just become a developer. That's possible. Yeah. And that would that would be lovely because you know it's a substantial increase in in your income. It certainly is. Meanwhile, Apple are continuing to make the ecosystem more appealing in other ways. Uh, so, from a developer point of view, there is now support for custom apps uh, for enterprise and education through Apple Business Manager and Apple School Manager. Um, that is something I will need to take a close look at with my other hat on. Um, and Test Flight has been improved. To be honest, I don't understand exactly what the difference is, but every developer who I've seen comment on it is delighted. So test flight just made developers happier. So that seems like a good thing. But you buried the lead. You didn't say what it is. It's automatic beta app updating. What what it used to be is that when you were using test flight, I'm I'm tooling along using test flight testing an app, and I would get no notification that a new beta was out there. So now if it's automatic, automatically updating, I'll be getting the improvement. So I'd be thinking, man, this guy's never fixing it. And then I go back and look, and he's uh, updated it 12 times. Oh, uh, right. That is a nice feature. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Although it does also sound like, like – right, I think it's about 10 years ago since I did a test flight before Apple even bought them. Um, I think I think Alistair Jenks had me test flighting your app, Alison. Um, mm. Or maybe it was his custom clock. Alistair, it was definitely Alistair. He's the only person who ever got me to install a test flight app. And Apple hadn't even bought them yet back then. So my experience with this is extremely limited. But it sounds like you use it more often. Yeah, yeah. I've used it with a bunch of different apps. Cool. Um, Apple have also uh, confirmed that they had promised us that uh, family sharing would come to in-app purchases. Well, that has now gone live. I'm going to call no fair on this one, Bart. This was Why? December 4th yesterday, not in November. That you're right. If they had promised November, then that is wrong. And if they'd promised fall, then by my calendar, that's wrong as well. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying it only it only went live yesterday. And and uh, and this is supposed to be the November show, right? 
Right, but I do the news up to the day we record. Oh, I thought there was a rule. Okay, well, because I want to talk about this one because I'm going to take partial credit for everybody knowing about this. Okay. Um, I was in a chat with Steve Harris of Reinvented Software. He makes uh, Keep It and uh, Feeder, and we were working on something with Feeder. And uh, uh, in the middle of this discussion, he said, oh, yeah, you know, now that uh, family sharing is is supported in in uh, uh, in um, with uh, for all apps for in-app purchases and for um subscriptions and and i said wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait to bury the lead why are we talking about all this other stuff tell me more about this and he says oh i i uh i didn't know you didn't know they mentioned it during uh wwdc and he says well let me see how what you got to do do and he goes oh my gosh i don't believe this the developer has to flip a switch to make it available so he sent me a screenshot and he had circled it and stuff and he tweeted it and he said allison will you retweet this get me some signal boost so i did and i told everybody in in my slack and in my uh uh, Facebook and Twitter accounts and said, please boost the signal. And within like five minutes, I'm sure it wasn't my tweeting or anything. Everybody started picking up one after another. Uh, uh, Mac rumors got it. And then finally Federico got it uh, for Mac stories. Mm. And that's when it took off. And then after that, it was I more and other people were picking it up. So uh, I'm taking partial credit. for everybody Excellent. Knowing. And I hope you, I, I <laughs> oh. hope that big firestorm has got lots of developers to click the button because yeah, I, I should tell you why I think it's related is because they used Steve uh, Steve um, Harris's uh, – they used Steve's I'm, – I'm blanking on his name. It's not Harris, is it? Anyway, it is. they used Steve's screenshot. So that's why I think it's related to the discussion we were happening. Oh, right. And then you deserve food. You deserve the credit. <laughs> you, you have references to back it up. Yep, it was it was pretty fun, so – it is Steve I used, to, I I used to use a piece of software at uh, work, uh, and I was part of the uh, beta testing um, uh, family for it, as it were. And uh, my boss used to always say, I'd say, oh, they've implemented that thing that I asked for. And he said, uh, where's your commission? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I never got any. <laughs> yeah, the, the commission is the app does what I want. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, and also in related news, Apple have extended again the deadline where in, in where in app purchases for events have to go through Apple Pay. So in other words, they don't have to go up. The grace period on not having to go through Apple's payment system has been extended again, um, which is kind of important in in these COVID times because a, a lot of places are making use of that as their only form of income. And so Apple not getting a cut yet is is continuing to be a good thing. The right thing to do. Yeah. So, the second story then is the release of macOS Big Sur. macOS went to 11. So, I guess Yay. the first question on the panel is so, who pushed the scary button and who didn't? I'm running on it. And so, I'm halfway across. I've got my older MacBook Pro running it. And my, but uh, the drivers for my uh, microphone interface for my Thunderbolt microphone interface are not compatible, and so I can't go into my real machine. And I've been really loving it on my 2016 MacBook Pro until today. I was running a uh, a highly compute intensive uh, photo application. And it was running for about six hours, and I left it while I went to lunch, and it rebooted. Oh, oh. yeah. I was oh, I was not, not so good. 
And I had noticed a couple of times over the last couple of days, I would I would wake my machine up and it would say, sorry, but numbers canceled the reboot. Well, I didn't tell you to reboot. Why you? Why did you want to reboot? So apparently I didn't have numbers running anymore and it didn't stop it from rebooting. Some sort of software update getting really, really aggressive? Yeah, that's what I, you know, I may have done a, a, um, a, you know, an update to something that was a kernel extension or something like that, where now it wanted, you know, where it says you're really going to have to reboot to do this. But I had said, no, I don't want to reboot right now. But it should have still asked me, I think. I would agree with you. I, I don't like com my computer rebooting behind my back. Then again, my Windows VM does that all the time. Um, <laughs> but thanks to group policy, that's not my choice. That's a choice that has been made. Right. Um, so I, but I would say I think it's I think it's running really well. Other than that, uh, my twenty yeah. my twenty sixteen MacBook Pro is running faster than my twenty nineteen is. Huh. That's an interesting it's data point. Super snappy. Yeah, it's so really interesting because the last two OSs I've been very tardy about upgrading to. Um, partly because you know it's finding time to back up, do a proper clone of your hard drive and, and then and all that stuff but now you know since i retired in january i've just got the time now and so i've sort of dove into this one fairly quickly yeah i, I have three so I machines like on my desk and i seem to be determined as i go from actually they're even laid out left to right so this machine is still on uh, mojave uh, because this machine still runs aperture um right. and i'm not quite ready to give up aperture just yet although i think i'll get over myself i just need another 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 week to get everything out of aperture and into um lightroom and then i can then i can nuke and pave this machine this thing has never been nuked and paved since i bought it and that must be quite some time ago because it's a 2017 imac so it's, it's wow yeah it needs it needs it um then my primary work machine i sort of figured maybe maybe just as we're about to do a major upgrade of a really important system, isn't the time for me to suddenly be fighting with my computer while working remotely. So I no. sort of decided to leave it alone for a bit. But um, I do have a new work laptop that I'm slowly transitioning to. And uh, part of part of uh, my role with that new laptop is to be a guinea pig for having laptops in apple school manager and having um, zero touch deployment of software and stuff so i figured why not test it at the very very latest os oh cool what do you think i am shocked I, it didn't occur to me from the keynote slides how different this os is i they really really were right to call it 11 it feels so different it feels like a whole new os I think I actually like things that uh, new operating systems and new um, uh, and new hardware just because it looks different. Like, I don't yeah. know if this is functionally <laughs> that much different, but it looks so different. I really am enjoying it. I like the yeah, visual language of it. It's It's got a friendliness and a playfulness that the, the Mac had somewhat lost. And the new sounds are at the moment a bit disconcerting because two out of three Macs on my desk ding one way and one out of three Macs ding the other way. But they are actually nice, the new sounds. It's just I'm still getting used to which one is happy and which one is cranky. Um, that that out yesterday when all of a sudden his Mac made a... He just upgraded yesterday. It's like, what? What is that noise? Well, what really caught me out is that the chime is back and I'm used to being able to quietly reboot my second laptop while on a Teams call. Well, I'm not doing that anymore. 
Yeah. I, I thought when, when I saw it announced, I, I thought a lot of the icons looked a, a little bit sort of almost childish. But when I, when I actually installed it, I thought I'd really like this. Maybe, maybe it's because it's iPad-like. Well, I was going to say, where's the line between and childish and playful? <laughs> but I do like it. I, they, they feel friendlier. The OS just feels that little bit more human, that little bit friendlier, that little bit less intimidating, that little bit less like a scary big grown-up desktop OS, and just that bit more playful. Yeah, I'd agree. What do you think about how far apart and inefficient it is in space, though? I, I'm at the moment. I'm having a hard time making a, a judgment on it because I'm really I'm being it. It has an unfair chance at the moment, so. My main driver for work is still my old MacBook Adorable hooked up to a 28-inch display. And comparing that to a 13-inch MacBook Air isn't fair. So I think in a week or two, when I flip over and have the MacBook Air as my primary driver, and it has the 28-inch screen, then I think I'll be comfortable having an opinion. It feels cramped, but then again, it's a 13-inch screen and I'm used to a 28-inch screen, so of course it feels cramped. Yeah, of course. Uh, have you? The thing I was most worried about was the uh, the way they hide the what is that icon that you proxy love to drag? Icon. Yeah, it, proxy icon. So far, it's managed to appear just before I get cranky. It's about half a second from making me cranky, but right now it's just about showing up when my mouse is there. So I sort of move my mouse, and I'm about to be angry, and then the icon is there. It's like okay. So I did notice one thing. If you turn on uh, the file path, what is it? View uh, show path bar mm-hmm. uh, in the finder down at the bottom, you can drag that icon. Uh, but so it doesn't work quite the same. It, it it definitely selects that window. You know, sometimes you can click and drag without bringing a window forward. It, right. That method does always bring it forward. And does the path bar contain the current folder or is it only the current folder's parents? It's got the whole thing. It's got it's got the file you're on and all of the file path all the way back to. Right, I wasn't root. sure. I I knew it went all the way back to the root, but I wasn't sure how far forward it came. Yeah, whatever whatever folder you're in, it's that's it's there. The, okay, and if you've got a file selected in there, then uh, the file selected is also there. Yeah. No, to be honest, while it is useful in the Finder, I usually use it in document type apps like Word and. P word I'm not allowed to say near you and those kind of things. <laughs> oh, I don't even know how to use it there. <laughs> Could you believe I went on a four hour course in advanced PowerPoint? Oh. <laughs> oh. I did actually learn some useful stuff. It's actually gotten quite a bit better than I thought. It's still yeah, stupid. It should, nobody should make stuff. charts about anything. Charts should be banned. But that's where the, the the fun stuff was the um was the 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 smart the smart art where you can have it animate things in very illustrative ways. So it's actually mm-hmm. useful as opposed to a wall of text, which is definitely not useful. Uh, I I uh, read the book The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs, and I am now a believer in like you just put a picture of a birthday cake on the on screen and that's and that's it and then you tell the story about how it's the anniversary instead of having yeah. any words at all that's what he does right which he is did. why the stuff that interested me in the course was about the smart art and so for you basically have um you know animations and diagrams and things to tell your story instead of text yeah this is a, this is opposed to just reading out what's on the screen i presume oh, we're talking God. About <laughs> even if you have text on your slides then 
don't read. People know how to read. You should have a <laughs> notes on your slide and you should be using your notes and not. Oh, anyway. Oh, that's. Oh, I don't, I don't want to do a podcast on Microsoft PowerPoint. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also been a bunch of app updates to coincide with the launch of Big Sur. So Apple have updated Logic uh, Pro and Final Cut Pro and they've dropped the X from Final Cut Pro. So no yeah. more deciding whether it's an X or a 10. It is now just Final Cut. So that's easy. Uh, the iWork apps also got a bunch of TLC and new friendlier icons. And uh, so did GarageBand. I'm cranky about the GarageBand one. Oh. Because if, if you're on uh, uh, Catalina, mm-hmm. you get the update notification and you can't make it go away. And it tells you, no, you can't have this because you're not on Big Sur. Yeah, that did. That does. That. that that, yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't like having a badge on my system preferences mm-hmm. icon. And my 12-inch MacBook Adorable is stuck with a 1. And it's be- actually, I solved it. I went, GarageBand, why are you on my work laptop? Welcome to the trash can. Good day. <laughs> actually, that might be the right solution. I don't use GarageBand. <laughs> yeah, Sabres have quite a hefty chunk of disk space. Because it is quite the Yes, mail does that sometimes as well, doesn't it? Uh, well, maybe you, neither of you use mail. But I, I'm mail a big mail has, user. Yeah, mail sometimes has icons that it's really difficult to get rid of. Well, notifications I, that are really difficult to get off, get rid of. From time to time, when using mail to talk to an exchange server, some emails just get stuck as unread. You can read them until the cows come home and they will continue to have that little blue badge next <laughs> to them. Oh, uh, well. Nuts. It's like, ah, I've missed an email from my... No, I didn't. <laughs> the one that does that to me all the time is messages. Just Ooh. all of a sudden it'll say, yeah, you got three. <laughs> Guess where they are. Nope. <laughs> okay, any other thoughts on uh, Big Sur? Nope. I've got the nice uh, 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 rocks background on. I quite like that. You know, I it's got some rocks it. with some nice blurry blue sea. Looks might, very nice. I might change it because mine is. I, I sort of have this habit of leaving my my backgrounds as the default these days, so I remember what OS I'm on. Um, <laughs> yes. And I have to say, I really, really, really like uh, Catalina's rock because when I start work really early, it's still dusk, and that sort of tells me that I'm being too diligent. <laughs> I should go out for a walk or something. Um, and in the evening time as well. Oh, it's getting dark on Catalina Island. Oh, look, it's dark outside my window too. I guess I should stop working. <laughs> That's kind <laughs> yeah, of interesting. I, like that. it's not, I, I always thought that made sense because at my house, if it's dark at Catalina Island, since I can see it from here, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I always thought that made sense. But in your case. So what you think is when I get up in the morning, it should be really dark on my desktop. <laughs> <laughs> Actually never thought of it, you know. Hmm. I, they are doing a good job with the desktops. Uh, Steve's mother uh, had us scan in a, uh, make a, a, a copy of a painting that her uh, father made of a house that he built on a lake that she grew up on. I mean, it's a very, oh. very important uh, thing. Yeah, it's really emotional to her. And it's always been her desktop background. And I upgraded her to Catalina and I put that background back in. And then she walked in and looked at uh, Steve's father's computer and goes, oh, look how pretty that is. Can I have it? And it was Catalina. <laughs> okay. Actually, sure. maybe that's the most disappointing thing about Big Sur is there's, there's no picture of a beach, which I think is what Big yeah, Sur is. is. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's, there's, there's two. There's the colorful one, but there's also the the coastline of Big Sur. Okay. Well, when I sold the OS, I ended everything. up with this 
color thing. Yeah, I got that too on my secondary screen. But look for it. There's it's a it's a winding road that goes through Ooh. the mountains on the edge of the coast. It's gorgeous with clouds and stuff. It's very pretty. Well, that sounds lovely. What I have at the moment is just a wall of color. It's a colorful thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not the that's not the good one. Oh, okay. That's something for me to do Monday morning. Because, yeah, I, I like the... I mean, there's turquoise water. It's gorgeous. I don't know where the turquoise came from. Our water doesn't look like that here in California. Filter. <laughs> yes, I think it's been uh, tweaked, shall we say. But, I mean, it looks like Hawaii water part of it, so... Which, I don't think Hawaii's in California. Well, At last I checked. Yeah. I guess if you swim far enough. Anyway... Let us move on to one more thing, our third story. So Apple had their last event. It wasn't the world's longest event, but they had, you know, one thing to tell us and they told us and it was very pretty. Um, you can rewatch the keynote, link in show notes, and we may as well get straight to it. John Hodgman was back at the end of the keynote. Yay! I was so <laughs> sad he was alone. Oh. <laughs> but if I had to pick one of the two, I'll take Hodgman. <laughs> Justin Long had had stuff to do, huh? Yeah, so although I guess it would have been kind of hard for him to say I'm the young, more vibrant version of the Mac when clearly reality has been along and he's not younger than he was all those years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, it was really, I thought it was really nice to see Hodgman. I was of Hodgman. Anyway, the actual news is that Apple announced the M1, Apple's first ever Apple Silicon chip. And... They announced it as they sort of made clear that this was the first of the family and they said that they were bringing it in in their um, portable line. And so we got three first Macs. We got a MacBook Air 13 inch. We got a, sorry, we got a MacBook Air, a 13 inch MacBook Pro and a Mac Mini. And Apple promised in the keynote that we could have our proverbial cake and eat it, that these things would be both really power efficient and really fast. And a fairly substantial chunk of the tech press were like, oh, Apple are full of it. They can't possibly deliver what they've promised, which had a lot of people remembering back to the iPhone launch where everyone was like, no, this can't be real. This must be some sort of fraud. And then the thing came out and I was like, oh, it is real. Well, when people benchmarked these machines, it turns out that they actually, they're magic. The M is for magic. They're cool. They're fast. They're power efficient. And really the only difference, the biggest difference between the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air is that the MacBook Pro apparently has an active cooling system, which is the new euphemism for fan. Um, although it appears to be somewhat missing in action because as hard as the reviewers tried to make the thing make noise, they basically failed at making it make noise. And as the owner of the previously newest MacBook Air, I know how to make it make an awful lot of noise like a jet engine taking off. It's called Microsoft Teams. <laughs> yes apparently you can I, um, I, 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 we chatted about the M1s obviously before they came out well before we knew they were called M1s mm. uh, on Essential Apple and um, uh, I would like to say that um, whereas I nearly always get everything wrong on this occasion I actually predicted the Mac Mini I said what about the Mac Mini and everyone else said oh no 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 they won't do that and I said well I think they will so there we go for once, I got it right. <laughs> Good. I, so I, I didn't see any said, point in not doing it, as they'd already used them as test mules, as it were. It just seemed a sensible thing to do. So, Bart, one thing when you said uh, that a new cooling system is a euphemism for a fan, it might not be. The 
I, I know that with the iMac Pro, there is a fundamental difference in the cooling system of that Mac versus the iMac, where they actually redesigned the interior for how the air flows around. So it's possible they did more than just a fan on the uh, MacBook Air. I don't know that for a fact, but they might not just be, you know, making up fancy words. Well, I presume it is more than just a fan because, you know, I mean, an active cooling system implies that there is something pushing air. So I guess there's got to be a fan somewhere in the clever airflow. But yeah, I think you're right. It is. I'm being somewhat facetious because it's obviously more than just make air move, I hope. (laughs) But whatever way they're doing it, whatever way they're actively cooling it, it's not making noise. So really, do we care how they're doing it? They're managing to make the thing remain cool to the touch, remain performant and not throttle itself. And of course, if you're not wasting vast amounts of your battery power heating up your chassis, strangely enough, the battery lasts longer. It's funny how that works. Yeah. And in fact, um, as well, they didn't just speed up the CPU itself. They've also, the SSDs are lightning fast in them as well. Um, and for the first time, the Mac Mini can now drive a 6K display, which I didn't even know existed. To me, 4K is more than enough pixels to be pushing around, but you can have another two. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Sure you did. The Pro XDR is the one that came out with the Mac Pro. That's the 6K display, the big fancy $6,000 oh, one okay. where you pay $1,000 for the, for the uh, uh, stand um, for it. Yeah, the stand is the only bit I could afford <laughs> without the screen. Uh. <laughs> okay, so the little Mac Mini could drive the giant big XDR display. Hmm. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It is. The other thing I find hilarious is that the Apple's running M1 can emulate x86 faster than every other actual Intel can do single core performance on an actual Intel chip, which is just nuts. And we we have 13-inch MacBook Pros outperforming 16-inch MacBook Pros in various benchmarks, including things like, I think one of my favorite ones was a developer who compiled the open source, um, I think it was WebKit they compiled. And when they compiled WebKit on their MacBook Pro, it took 90% of their battery life. And so, yes, you can compile this once, but then you're done for the day. They did the same thing on an M1 13-inch MacBook Pro, which is a much less powerful machine on paper. And A, it can, it finished the job quicker. And B, they still had 90-something percent of their battery left, so they actually could do some work. In some ways, it's quite, surpri- in some ways, it's quite surprising, isn't it, that... Um that people were surprised. I suppose it's it's the magnitude that they're surprised at. Because um, we already knew that ARM chips were more efficient and ran cooler and more power efficiently and on all that sort of stuff. So we shouldn't really have been surprised that, that that's what it does. But I suppose it's the it's the, the amount that it does it by that's taken people by surprise. I, I think the reason we were lulled into that I mean we should have known from the iPad Pro. Because Apple have been telling us that, this, that the iPad Pro benchmarks like a laptop for years. Yes. And it yeah. runs cool and it runs fast and it's really battery efficient. And it's running I, sp- I suppose everyone thought it was hyperbole, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we've sort of been tricked into this notion that no, no, the iPad is just an iPhone. But no, the iPhone and the iPad are actually Unix workstations in a really small and efficient package. And now they're just running a desktop OS on the same small and efficient package. And shock horror, it's amazingly small and efficient. Yeah. Um, There are some quibbles. Um, Apple made a big deal about the fact that they now have their 
on the because they're making the whole system on a chip thing, they were able to put their um, image signal processing into these new MacBooks. So therefore, they could improve the cameras. And they made a big deal about how much better the cameras were, but everyone was like, yeah, but they're still 720p parts. So you're you're putting lipstick on a pig here. And quite a bit of crankiness about that. But has anybody done a... What I haven't seen is a comparison of what kind of video do you get out of this new 720p camera with the better signal processing on it versus the old one. It is better. It, it, is, it is noticeably better. The argument is, compared to other webcams, it is also noticeably not as good as if you buy yourself a 1080p webcam. Yeah. So they weren't yeah. wrong that it's better. By the way, if you really want to improve your, your video, stop complaining about the camera and get better lighting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yep. true. Yep, yeah. yep. That's because often the case. No. The, the biggest complaint about the existing cameras is they're terrible in low light. Well, you could solve that by replacing the camera or adding light. <laughs> You know, a, a guy at work actually explained this to me so vividly. He sent me a video of himself from the same camera. He took two two videos, and one of me had low light, and one of me didn't. And he waved his hand while he showed it to me. And of course, just like with a still camera, if you don't have enough light and something moves, you get blur. Yep, it's the same problem. You get low light, you're going to get a bad photo, so you're, and you're going to get a bad video from a from low light. So you know, spend twenty bucks on a shop light at the from the hardware store, and you. To be better off, it's like all these people who um, uh, we used to carry around uh, when we didn't have phones. <laughs> we used to carry around the the little like Instamatic cameras, uh, and then take a, a photo with a flash from two hundred meters away and expect yeah. anything to come out. <laughs> Short of having a nuclear detonation as the light falls off as or cubed, that isn't yes. going to do very much. It is or cubed, isn't it, Alison? You're you're an engineer. Uh, R cubed for what? For the fall off of light. I think light falls off as R cubed. Uh, well, it's R squared. Energy falls off as R squared. Even in three dimensions? Well, you're only measuring it in a point, right? Right, but the, the light coming out of the flash, is it coming out in two or in three dimensions? Hmm. Okay, anyway, that's, thankfully we're not doing a physics podcast, and I can just hear my physics professors going, did I teach you nothing? <laughs> Anyway, um, the other quibble people are having is that the, the these M1 Macs don't seem to support eGPUs. And the people are going, oh, I mean, this this is a hobbled architecture. There's no future in this. And I'm thinking, no, Apple said these are our portable devices. So when they come out with their pro devices, I'm sure they will support eGPUs. It's not, it's not as if somehow switching to M1 means eGPUs are impossible. It's just that these M1 Macs don't yet support eGPUs. So it, uh, yeah, I think, I, I mean, the big thing was um, the fact that it, the Mac Mini um, did support eGPUs, didn't it, before? Yes. Um, that, that, that's why this has come up as a, as a thing, I think. And, and the, um, the M1-powered Macs don't, as you say, yet. And we should say they're continuing to sell both Intel-powered Mac Minis and Intel-powered MacBook Pros. Um, I didn't check if there were still Intel-powered MacBook Airs. Should have checked that. Do, uh, do I, think, I, I think they are. Yeah. They are? Oh, okay. Right, right. I think so. Hmm. I will double check that while you're talking. Okay, good. That saves me typing and talking because I can't multitask, whereas I know you can't. 
So I have um, I have weakened, uh, even though I only bought a Mac, my Mac Mini that I'm using now in July. Yes, <laughs> I have weakened and ordered an M1 uh, Mac Mini. So oh, good for you! I look. And that's where I broke down too. The Mac. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I, uh, between the uh, somewhere around the 14th of December, I should get it. So I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. I will definitely talk to you about it next chance I get. And when is yours one? When is your one due to arrive, Alison? Or do you have it in your? Sometime soon, in the middle of uh, middle of December here. Um, I pumped the drive up a little bit, the the SSD size, and that pushed yeah. it out quite a bit. I have no excuse for this. I have a, I do have a six year old Mac Mini that is in production use at the house. But its go. entire job is that it runs Carbon Copy Cloner and copies data from my Synology to my Drobo as a backup of my NAS. It doesn't do anything else but that. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that really annoys me, Alison, that um, quite often when you hear people talk about the Mac Mini, they talk about it as a uh, a subsidiary machine or, or a – but they're good little computers. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. And, and yeah. with the M1 in them, they're as powerful as everything else out there at the moment. Um, so I, I think yes. they're great. I mean, I will always Maybe. have a soft spot for the for the Mac Mini because that was the first Mac I could afford back when Steve Jobs was saying BYO KBD, bring your own keyboard, monitor, and display. And yes, yeah, they were great first machines. Those little G4 Mac Minis they were lovely. Maybe well, I'll use it as my forward. desktop and let my laptop be a laptop after this because yeah. I I use a laptop as a desktop. There's I found backwards and forwards between iMacs and. Um, depending on what I could afford at the time, iMacs and Mac Minis. So, uh, so this is, yeah, this will be my third Mac Mini. I have to say, since I discovered the joys of 27-inch iMacs, I'm afraid to say that I have bought nothing but 27-inch iMacs. I have, I have owned many 27-inch iMacs, but you know, once I discovered, I've got a very those... nice, I've got a very, very nice 24-inch LG screen, 4K. Very, very yeah, I've nice. got the LG uh, screen too, and uh, I, I like having the flexibility to swap things out. And like I said, I, I use a I use a MacBook Pro, but attached to a big display like that, and that seems yeah. to be kind of a sweet spot for me. We'll see. Yeah, until COVID, I had never worked that way. But when we when the order came to work from home, my work laptop became my work desktop. Um, yeah. and, and so it now it, through through a lovely little dock I picked up uh, from Desert West. It now sits here with a twenty eight inch Samsung display as my main driver, and I do use it actually with two screens. So I keep my email and Teams on the laptop screen, and everything I care about on the twenty eight inch on the twenty eight inch screen. Um, and it is that a nice way to work because nice. I have a keyboard permanently plugged into the little dock. So I have a real keyboard uh, and trackpad, magic trackpad, and uh, Apple key- extended keyboard. Um, but yeah, so cool. I, I would have, you know, I, I do like the iMac for my personal machine. Anyway, uh, software has been quite quick to come to the M1s. Uh, World of Warcraft was out the door mighty quick. Um, Photoshop is already available in beta form. Uh, same is true of uh, Microsoft's Office Suite. This is available in beta form. And Google Chrome have started to make people think about what device they have. I, I went to download Chrome for my 13-inch MacBook Pro, and Google asked me whether I had an Intel Mac or an M1 Mac. It's been a long time since I've had to tell a website what to get, and there is the thing called universal binaries. I, I do not comprehend why Google have made it so complicated. 
But if you have an M1 Mac and you choose to download the M1 version of Chrome, it will go twice as fast, which is good, oh, but still not and as hopefully fast. It won't, hopefully it won't spin the fans like nobody's business. Right. Uh, aren't you adorable? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's faster than Chrome, but it's not faster than Safari. So Safari in the M1s runs even faster than it does normally, and it's still faster. By the way, I am not seeing the Intel MacBook Airs for sale on Apple. Maybe I'm missing it, but I don't see them. No, I, I thought they said that they, were, they weren't selling the um, the Intel MacBook Airs. I'm yeah, the MacBook Airs. I thought Pro I'd heard that. There. Yeah. And the, the Minis are definitely still there, too, because I was checking I was checking the Minis out for a different reason. Um, Actually, the MacBook Pro 13-inch is, uh, I don't think, is there as an Intel. It's just the, the 16, because it's not been replaced i think uh but they're not three was it not like a cheap 13 inch and more expensive 13 inch and then the 16 maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong no there's two 13 inch uh options and it's the two m1s the one oh. with the um 256 gigs of storage and uh the one with 512 and an extra core gpu there interesting okay so the 16 inch is the only intel one left interesting i think so well you're looking on the page if they're not trying to sell it to you then it mustn't exist <laughs> yeah you would you would think you would notice it right I mean, yeah it'd be a button yes if they want your money for it um i fix it have needless to say pull them apart although there wasn't that much need because apple had showed them all exploding during the keynote which is a rather cool view um and i think that's sort of the most important points about it really um an interesting side note, sort of, is that um, Linus Torvalds was like, I think I'd really like to have Linux booting natively, but I also don't think it's going to happen. And that was immediately followed up by a cloud funding exercise to try fund having Linux boot natively on Apple Silicon. Uh, I think you mean crowd crowdfunded, not cloud funded. <laughs> I, oh, did I say cloud funded? I wrote crowd funded. That's what I thought I heard. <laughs> but definitely crowd funded. Um, and a developer, without any help from Microsoft or Apple, has managed to get Windows virtualized onto Apple Silicon and benchmarked it. And uh, Windows 10 runs faster on the M1 Mac, where it's not even supported, than it does on the Surface Pro 10, which is interesting. Wow. So the, the problem with Linux not running on M1 is because there's no drivers? Right. So you can virtualize Linux on the, on the M1s, no problem. But this would be to have Linux as the primary OS, which means you'd have to have right. the whole... You have to have the whole boot sequence in place, um, including secure boot. I guess, um, but isn't it all? Isn't the, I thought I heard the drivers were the problems. They're going to be a part of the problem for sure, um, because Apple aren't going to write Linux drivers for the Linux people. So that means that the Linux community is going to have to figure that out. Um, well, and who then, wrote the current ones? I well, currently they're Intel drivers, so. I guess the hard the various hardware vendors would have written those drivers. So Intel would write drivers for Intel chips, but Apple aren't writing Linux drivers for Apple chips. Is the difference? Okay. Yes, in fact, that is yeah. So so AMD would have drivers for Linux for their AMD CPUs, and Linux not Linux Intel would have drivers for the Intel stuff. But Apple don't do that because Apple make the whole widget from top to bottom, and they're not interested in writing drivers for their OSs. Um, but I, I think virtualization is, is the way to go for, for Linux on your Macs anyway, to be honest. But we shall see. 
Any other thoughts on these rather appealing not, new devices? Not that hasn't already been said on other shows. That was that was fun talking about, though. Yeah. It's a long time since I've been this excited about the future of the Mac. And I would yeah. like to think this puts an end to this notion that Apple have given up on the Mac. Because the, 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 <laughs> this is the culmination of many, many, many years. I just, just imagine being a Mac engineer, knowing you were working to deliver these Macs, and having half the technorati insist that you've given up on the Mac. I mean, that must have been so frustrating for Air Force One to be to want to. T- I mean, they were doing it right. They were saying they're really passionate about the Mac, but they could never tell us why they were passionate because it was all still a secret. This is why they were so passionate about it, because they had these amazing machines in the pipeline. But they were sitting there going, no, we haven't given up. Trust us. We promise. <laughs> I'm hey, oh, oh, Sorry, go sorry. ahead, Nick. Oh, I was just, just going to say, in my mind's eye, I can see someone sitting in front of one where they're testing it for the first time and then saying, it went how fast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just really enjoying listening to the whiners talk about how awesome it is, you know, they they really are having to find some reason to say that this isn't the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And that's been enjoyable. Yeah. What I also find is people twisting themselves into logical pretzels to try to explain why this isn't a problem for Intel and AMD and that they don't have massive, massive, massive amounts of catching up to do. No, I haven't heard that. Yeah, they're crazy. They, they're crazy precisely because logic does not get you to that conclusion they they have some serious catching up to do and given that intel are three miles from where i'm sitting and a major employer in my local area this is you know in a purely selfish way for the general Manuth leaksip and selbridge area this is not actually good that apple are making amazing chips um mm. i i really do hope intel get their skates on and finally get with mobile well, they're <laughs> they're a little little uh, late there since they're they haven't even succeeded at making the seven nanometer process right. They they were yeah. supposed to be at seven by now, and now they're saying sevens in a year, and Apple's at five. Yep, yep. That's and the, that's a ways back, right? And the reason, I mean, it sounds like oh yeah, what what two two nanometers? That's tiny. What difference does that make? Well. The reason that Apple can have their cake and eat it in terms of performance and coolness is that they need to push around less electrons for everything, you know, from five down to seven, less. For every single action is less electrons moving. Less electrons means less resistance. Less resistance means less heat. Less heat means less power waste. Really, getting it down small means that A, you get less latency, but B, you just have less electrons to move. And the less stuff you have moving, the more energy efficient it is. It's it's easier to move a dinky car than it is to move a real car. Yeah, it's a little bit like it's a little bit like thinking about um, electrical distribution systems, you know, big pylons and things. That's really not an efficient way to move energy around. Right. And, uh, and so making it very you know, all integrated the way that they have, even though it might annoy the people who would really like to be able to upgrade it themselves. Um, it's just that, I mean, it's just not traveling very far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it is amazing technology and yeah, Intel are behind the curve. Okay. Well, let's round out the show with a few quick stories that also made the news in November. Apple have marked international day of persons with disabilities, um, which is appropriately a politically correct way of saying that because people are not defined by their disabilities 
spare people who have disabilities, which is a very important mm. point. Anyway, Apple have redesigned their entire accessibility website and they have debuted a bunch of new support videos. And in very much related news, Apple decided to roll out some of their VPs for a video interview with uh, Matthew Panzerino from TechCrunch. Uh, the link is in the show notes. It's a half-hour interview with two Apple engineers, and it's actually a really good interview. And they touch off, you know, none of it, I guess, is probably news to those Apple fans, but it's nice to get the point of view from Apple. And it sort of confirms what we always thought, that Apple start to think about accessibility right from the start of a project. They don't tack it on at the end. And that shows in their products. It's, you know, it's an interesting point of view. And can I, can yeah. I say one thing about the, uh, I, I just am so ornery. I can't help myself sometimes on this kind of thing, but uh, Apple's new accessibility website, I tested it with WebAIM's uh, Wave tool. It's mm. a it's a really slick tool. If you take your URL or someone else's you want to mock and you paste <laughs> it into here, it'll show you errors on the site for accessibility. And the one that's really hard is contrast. And Apple had uh, 22 low contrast errors on that page. Um, and if you look at it, take a look and look at how much is just kind of faded gray, like the menu at the top uh, and, and right. all of the notes down at the bottom. They're all this faded gray. And uh, so so it didn't do well on that. It had some form inputs it was missing, but it wasn't too bad. It was like four errors on that. But uh, I like to be obnoxious and check that kind of thing. You know, come on, guys. Apple's <laughs> subtlety doesn't lend itself well to high contrast. So, yeah, nope. I think but a lot of... Do you want to be cute or helpful? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not giving them a pass. I'm just, you know, it's, yeah. I understand how they ended up there, but it is still embarrassing, I think. If you can run it through that tool, surely to goodness someone in Cupertino could have managed that. <laughs> you would have thought so, yeah. Uh, what's also interesting in terms of Apple using new technology to help people is um, there's a new AOR enhanced people detection accessibility feature that has been added in iOS 14.2 developer beta. And this will basically help people use their iPhone, you know, people who are visually impaired use their iPhone to tell when there are people around them and when people enter into their personal space. And uh, I don't think the timing of this was intended to be during a pandemic, but you can make it buzz at you when people get inside your bubble and in this case when they get less than six feet from you you can have it sort of warn you that there's someone encroaching into your space which is darn useful now and it comes up in the mm. in the panzerino interview and they were like yeah lots of people who are not visually impaired find this feature great too <laughs> yeah that's true yeah timing right yeah um Apple have also announced awards for almost everything. There's Apple Music Awards, Top 100 Songs and Apple uh, and, and Albums, uh, 15 Best Apps of 2020. The links are all in the show notes. I really couldn't be bothered reading all that out. Um, I do have to say people are pretty annoyed that the uh, best in show for, for apps for the iPad was Zoom. And apparently that app is terrible on the iPad. I haven't oh. used it myself yet. <laughs> But I mean, I think it's sort of like it might be the most important one we have this year, but the best is the, the problem. Mm. Yeah. One very Apple thing they did is they made physical sort of trophies out of the App Store icon and sent them to the winners and had them arrive 
simultaneously to a virtual call with Phil Schiller. So oh, was, that's cool. It is. So they basically yeah, managed to have an cool. award ceremony and give them these amazing looking hardware App Store icons as prizes, which look amazing. So that, that was a nice touch in these COVID times. Mm-hmm. Apple are also continuing to roll out their services. Apple Pay got a lot of rollout in November. Bank of Ireland uh, got Apple Pay for the first time on the iPhone and the Apple Watch. Firebank in Finland got it on their new Visa cards. NatWest Metal accounts get Apple Pay support in the UK. Apple Pay is coming to Israel with IsraCard. Walmart in Canada can now use Apple Pay and you can now add your Amex to your Apple Pay instantly after approval in the United States. You don't need to wait for the card to arrive. You can add it to your Apple Pay before you have the card. Meanwhile, CarPlay is rolling out to Mac trucks and new Hyundai and Cadillac models are getting the wireless version of CarPlay in their 2021 models, which is definitely more interesting. Mm. Uh, South Korea and Russia are getting the ECG app on their Apple Watches. The Belgians are getting their first taste of um, a cellular Apple Watch with eSIM support from Telenet. Um, I I believe they're not the most popular ISP in Belgium, but hey, at least it's something. Um, Brazil, Germany, France and Sweden now have Safari's translation feature. Um if you're living in the United States, you don't have to use the wallet app to apply for an Apple card anymore. You can use the plain old internet these days to do that. And really? Yeah, huh. this is a new feature. And uh, if you're living in Austria and you plan on visiting the capital city of Vienna, you can now have transit directions on Apple Maps. Meanwhile, it is Christmas, approaching rapidly. Apple have released their 2020 holiday guide and most crucially, they have yet again extended their return policy. So if you you can buy an Apple product now, gift it during the holiday season and the recipients of said gift will have until I think it's January 8th to return it if it turns out you're a terrible gift buyer because they had one already. Um. Meanwhile, uh, delivery with setup is being offered in select U.S. cities for the holidays and also two-hour delivery in some metro areas during the holiday season, again in the United States, for just $5, which is quite cheap. Um, And also, if you need to keep the kids entertained over the holidays, Apple have launched a Make Your Holiday Project book and virtual sessions to help you along with that. Aww. If you're wondering what to stick in your Christmas stockings, you can now get glow-in-the-dark power beats thanks to Ambush. Um, there are new colours of Solo Loop for the uh, and for the Apple Watch Sport. Uh, less happy news if you have an iPhone 11 and its screen's acting funny. You're not alone, but there is now a repair program, so Apple will fix it for you. Um, podcasters can now embed Apple's podcasts app into their website. May decide to do that for this show. Haven't quite decided. Nifty. It is kind of nifty. Um, in the United States, Apple have partnered with Verizon on a new uh, program to roll out iPhone 12 called Fleet Swap. This is basically a program for large enterprises to get lots and lots of iPhone 12s out to people. And finally, coming home, Apple celebrate 40 years in the charming Irish city of Cork, 
where they have a large campus with many human beings doing actual work. It's not just a tax haven, it's also a tax haven, but they do actually employ Irish people in Ireland down in Cork and they've been at it for 40 years, which is nice. And they're cool. going to they're going to give you an Apple store any minute now, huh, Bart? Someday, someday that will be true. Today is not that day that I'm aware of. Anyway, that is all the news for November. Well, it's not all the news, but it's a good chunk of the news. Um, Folks, thank you very much for giving so freely of your Saturday, well, evening for myself and Nick and uh, morning, I guess, for Alison. No, it's afternoon. Afternoon already. Gosh, we've been talking that long. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Alison, do you want to let the good listeners know where they can hear more of your wonderful content? Absolutely. Uh, the best place to go is podfeet.com, P-O-D-F-E-E-T. And you can see the uh, hear the NoSilicast there where every other week Bart is a guest. Uh, it's funny to call him a guest. I think of him as a co-host where he goes through security bits. And that's a that's a great segment on the show. Uh, it's also where you can find programming by stealth, which Bart is the co-host, if not the lead of. Uh, I take credit for the for the uh, podcast, he gets to the show notes. Uh, and I also do a, a show called Chit Chat Across the Pond Light, where I interview people I find interesting in tech or maybe just interesting. I, I love the variety we get to have on the Chit Chat Lights because you never know what Alison's going to find, but you do know it'll be fun and interesting. Yeah, agreed. Nick, where do you hang out on the internets? Uh, I'm very, very occasionally on. Um... You, uh, not YouTube. I've never <laughs> seen you on YouTube, that. Nick. I don't know. You no, I'm channel. not on YouTube. Um, on uh, Twitter, uh, my handle is uh, Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. And you can hear me over on um, a sister show in this uh, podcasting... Um, we'll go with Network, it? but I guess we call it Network. Family. If you like. Network. Network, that's a good one. Uh, on the Essential Apple, uh, talking with Simon and Jim on... Uh, on a Sunday, normally we record that. Indeed, and I have I have had the pleasure of being a guest a few times on Essential Apple. It is a fun show. Very, you know, if you're into this show, you should listen to that one and Alison's one, frankly. Um, I have been your host, Bart Bouchots. Before I give you my final link, just to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported the show. Um, a few months ago, things weren't looking great in terms of my goal of breaking even. And I sort of appealed to people that if you can, despite the whole, you know, pandemic thing, 2020 being 2020, that if you happen to be able to afford it, I would appreciate some support. Well, you guys rock because we are back up to this podcast paying for itself, which is right where I wanted to be. Um especially because I'm in the process of buying a house for the first time ever. I'm completely grown up now. I have a mortgage and everything. <laughs> um, but uh, buying a house is only the first of many expensive things that come with buying a house. Um, it's particularly stressful at the moment is that my house has no flooring, so it's all bare concrete that needs dealing with. No. Anyway, you guys rock for stepping up to the plate and this show is back to breaking even. I greatly appreciate it. Um, you can give... A small dollar amount regularly using Patreon or a larger amount on a one-off basis using PayPal. Everyone who has ever done so, I thank you ever so much. And for those of you for whom that's just not a thing you want to do or not a thing you're in a position to do, you know, that is absolutely fine. No pressure whatsoever. You can support the show extremely well simply by telling people about it because the more listeners there are, the more people there are to support the show in other ways. 
So spread the word, and it is a huge help to the show. Anyway, you will find detailed show notes along with buttons for supporting the show at letstashtalk.ie. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot, so you can find me personally at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. This is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast, the show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security, and anything else that catches our eye. Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them, and of course, just what makes them tick. That, plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac Podcasting Network.